Hey guys, welcome back to week two of the Always in Pursuit podcast. We are here this week with... Pastor Mark, who was taking a sip of his soda. <laughs> and? Pastor Aaron. And? Pastor Bobby. Hey, Bobby's Woo! joining us this Yay! week. And I'm Megan, the director of ministry, and we are psyched to be with you guys this week. Yes. All right. Well, we asked Megan to do the intro because I stink at those. Um, and Aaron won't do it. And she did great. Yeah. That was, really, that was actually you. really professional. It seemed like we're actually like doing something for real here. I like it. Yes. Um, okay, so... I wanted to start just by quickly updating on our series <clears throat> and our intention for this podcast. <clears throat> and I'm going to do that a lot and you're going to hate me. Um, and, you know, I was just, I was sort of thinking about where we're at. We've kind of talked through the issues with the church. I know the first weekend I really tried to challenge us to see that there are real things happening. People are really getting hurt. There's a lot of stuff that's real, a lot of abuse, a lot of things about the church that don't work right and a lot of us that are feel like we're on mission or maybe following jesus but we're actually off by quite a bit we're following something worldly or political or that there's we got to come back to uh where the church began and this week aaron you i think you nailed it you know your intro uh for your sermon kind of really reframed it did you want to just quickly to kind of give us that yeah. concept? Yeah. So the idea of the sermon this last week was kind of helping us understand that we've all, in our own different ways, have been kind of on a gut level sensing some issues within the church. And when we say church, we don't necessarily just mean pursuit or our church. We mean the big C church, all churches, but predominantly here in the Western Hemisphere, like the American church, um, the modern Western church. And so some of those things are like hypocrisy, abuse, um, isolationism, and then like our ideology, money, things like that. And then we also talked about how it's not just issues with the church as far as models and practices. It's also tension and issues with us as Christians and some of the things that we do, some of the things that we've kind of fallen into, I would say, uh, bad practices over the last century. Things like becoming consumeristic believers uh, again, being isolationist, um, being more focused internally than we are externally outside of the church, and then our dependence on being entertained and attraction mm -hmm. models of church, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then we looked at scripture at uh, the end of the Gospel of Luke and the beginning, very beginning of Acts. <clears throat> and if we need a, a launching point from which to start our rescue mission of the church and our faith, realistically, we need to look at scripture, and scripture tells us uh, at the very end of Jesus' ministry before he ascended into heaven, he gave a ton of instruction to his disciples and followers. And the two things that he instructed on predominantly were bearing witness and obedience. And the reason those are important is that if you strip away all of the other functions of the church, being the body of Christ, really what God desires is our obedience because the work that God is doing, that the Holy Spirit is doing in the world. It's all about him and it's not about us. And he desires us to bear witness. He needs us to tell the story, to spread the word. And so those are kind of the two highlights. Yeah. And I felt like even from week one to week two, uh, we moved from lament, which is essentially where I was, you know, just like, you know, whatever, a blubbering mess and moved more towards hope. Mm -hmm. And I feel like our goal for the rest of the series is to keep moving towards constructive ways to mm -hmm. think about and fix some of the problems we have. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. 
And I think like as pastors, we're thinking, we're seeing the like trends with people. We're the ones that are talking to people who are hurt or have baggage that the church has caused issues in their lives or that mm-hmm. they felt like they were on the outside of something and couldn't figure it out or that it's been damaging to them. And I think it's funny because I talk to a lot of people who like think it's trendy to like attack the church or whatever. And I just like, we believe in the church more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like we are giving our lives and our, mm-hmm. um, our gifts to the church in every way possible. We believe this is God's way of reaching this world. But also we're protective of the church and we can see that it's caused a lot of problems and that there really are major issues that I think are, you know, uh, part of our time and place that we're in, right? I think there would have been major issues in just about every um, century or time frame that the church was in, but I just feel like we're seeing some of ours right now. They're coming to mm-hmm. a head. And again, we talked about COVID kind of pushing some of this stuff up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also because... Let's just be real. Everyone on our staff had youth ministry experience. <laughs> <clears throat> and we've been in the trenches with students who are now aging out into being adults. Mm-hmm. Or our leaders mm-hmm. in those ministries are aging out into being like leaders of the church now. And, uh, you know, the millennial and Gen Zs, they're 40 now, the oldest millennials, all the way down to, you know, the kids that are still in high school. So it's a pretty the next generation of the church coming up that we're thinking we've been through the trenches with these kids Mm -hmm. and we know what how they think and we understand what the questions they're asking and now we're trying to apply some of those pieces to the church as we move forward into it you know yeah and i think there's kind of been a shift um i I feel like maybe you guys had a similar experience growing up i think all of us grew up in the church in some way shape or form uh, when I was growing up, if I ever had a doubt, if I brought that to like my small group leader or to my, uh, you know, a pastor or my mom or dad, I feel like the response was oftentimes like, oh, you know, oh, sweet Aaron, you know, like <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about or, you know, you just need to like go to church more. You need to be studying God's word more. You need to do more, 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 more. I feel like for the current young generation, when they question the things that they're questioning, the answer to do more doesn't make sense. Like mm. the, the questions, the issues that they're highlighting, that they're bringing to the table, you're like, yeah, that is a legit issue. Like <coughs> I don't kind of back to your first message, Mark, with that student that you met with. Like uh, if I were in your shoes, I would probably feel the same way, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a big shift where we can't just blindly stab forward and keep doing the things that we've been doing in the church and in Christianity. We have to really be, assessing like taking you know stock of where we're at how we got here and what do we need to do to change because we just can't keep moving forward the way we've been going and and actually a lot of times students and adults too i think you have to be comfortable sitting in those questions and not having answers Mm -hmm. the disciples Mm -hmm. did that all the time they mm-hmm. had questions and Jesus didn't really answer them and gave them yeah. a story. And they're like, what? Like, like, so we, that's where we're at. Like, that's where, um, students want to be at. And I think adults need to be comfortable in that too. Cause we do want answers as adults. Like we can solve things. We can solve problems all the time. That's not, that's not what we need to do right now. It's a major theme of the sermon this week because the disciples are told to wait. <laughs> 
and they're told you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They get to work and start controlling everything immediately. And it's like, work to be classic done. disciple move. <laughs> it's like, it's like, they're like, cool, okay, well, while we're waiting, we might as well replace well, Judas. Oops, and, uh, you know, some they cast lots to choose Matthias. And you're like, last time anyone ever needed to cast lots, once you have the Holy Spirit, you, there's no need to be mm-hmm. <laughs> rolling dice to pick the next disciple. Like, yep. it doesn't make any sense at all. Yep. And, uh, I just think like they're stuck in that in between, even if it's for a couple of days in that moment, and like not comfortable with the tension of not doing something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which I think millennials and Z like they mm-hmm. live in those tensions, uh-huh. and we have to live in them with them. Uh-huh. You know, like there's not like inviting every question they have <coughs> and not solving every problem they have is like antithetical to an older generation who has mm-hmm. simple answers like you were talking about Aaron like mm-hmm. they have boilerplate answers and yeah. they just don't hold up like yeah I don't even necessarily think that Gen Z or like just young people in general are looking for answers they're looking for like the tangible results because mm-hmm. I think they're tired of hearing an answer and then seeing like the action and that those two don't line up mm-hmm. it's not the same thing yeah. you know it gets back to that notion of hypocrisy to the abuse that happens either within the church or at the hands of church people and they're just tired of it. Like, and then you add into that culture and all of the social upheaval that we've been experiencing over the last couple of years, and that this generation is more socially aware and conscious than perhaps any generation mm-hmm. behind it. And it adds up to like a perfect recipe for them to be like, I'm done. I have no skin in this game. This is all, it's all bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so today I wanted to kind of touch on some of those things we just talked about are going to be part of what we talk about. But um, I really wanted to talk through the struggle that people have when they see sort of what they would call unjust things happen to, again, what we would term good people or like bad things happening to good people. And this is one of the struggles that like as I've processed with people, they struggle with the most. It's like is God good and is he powerful? Then why, why is he doing this? Or why isn't he doing that? Or what is the story here? And that like tension of not understanding what's going on, not seeing it till it's, you know, there's been time, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or that the tension of like the, but I keep praying about it, but it it seems like it should work. Like, I don't understand why, uh, it's turned into a, a real, a real existential crisis for a lot of people in their faith. And it's caused them to walk away from the church. And I think the church has actually made it worse um, in how we've somehow taught things and this, I know last week I said, I'm not a theologian, but there's a lot of theology to this one. There's a lot of like, and by the way, theology is just like what we believe about God. If we were going to just sort of quantify what we believe about God and the principles that we are teaching, that's what theology is. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of churches out there and I know there's one specific in our area that's like very much on this plane. And I try to help people avoid this church quite frequently and I won't name it and you probably wouldn't pick it out or know what it is just so you know but I know what church it is <laughs> I, I don't know have we talked about this before? I have um, guesses <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but we'd say like part of their message is that they're health and wealth gospel that's a term you'll hear health and wealth gospel and essentially what they're teaching and what they're preaching is that uh, God wants you to be successful he wants you to be well he wants you to be. He wants you to have success in financial terms, 
Um, and if you don't, if you aren't, there's a reason for that. And those reasons could be lots of things. Could be hidden sin, could be something wrong with you. Um, but they essentially boil down God into this formula. And I think this teaching finds its way into a lot of churches, not even ones that are really based on this concept, but like, um, you know, ones that accidentally teach some of this stuff. Um, And it's really insidious because when you boil God down into a a formula and say, he, you know, if, if you have a real active faith, you should be healthy, you should be wealthy, you should be successful then it turns into a situation where when someone isn't healthier, wealthier, successful, then they start to struggle in their own faith and they start to ask the question, well, why am I not healthier, wealthy? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we saw this in like in the New Testament. I mean, you know, there's the Pharisees would completely blame families when there's somebody in their family struggling, someone who was, you know, had a handicap or somebody who was like struggling with you know, um, leprosy or something, and they would blame them. They would say, whose sin mm-hmm. has caused all this to happen? And I think when you boil down a health and wealth gospel message to its, like, root, you essentially are blaming the person for what they're struggling with. And it's an insidious sort of theology because it puts people into this struggle, which I think already people are struggling with and having a hard time with. Why are these things happening to good people? Why is God allowing this to happen? Why, if he's powerful, he's not changing it? Why, if he's good, he's not changing it? You know, and we start to ask those questions. And then you have theology that comes in and says, well, you should be okay. You should be healthy. You should be wealthy. You should be successful because you have faith in God, because you're following God. These things should work out to your benefit. (laughs) And if they're not, then you start asking the question, why? And just recently, I've had some conversation with a friend who was going to this church and had some terrible stuff happen in their life and could not resolve mm-hmm. any of it after meeting with one of their pastors, went and sat down and had the conversation and walked away thinking, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Like this stuff happened because you know, of me, like, mm-hmm. um, when you started that conversation with that person, did you say, Hey, sinner? <laughs> no, uh, only because <laughs> all of us are sinners. Aaron. That's <laughs> a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, uh, I don't know. As I was processing with him, I'm just hearing the terrible theology coming out yeah, of him. Absolutely. That like was shared with him by like mm-hmm. someone who was part of the church. I think we've done a lot of damage to people by saying, you know, that you, if if you're the the payback, the the formula adds up to a wealthy, successful, full of health life. Mm-hmm. Uh, not our reality in this world. Not the theology we should be teaching. Mm-hmm. If anything. Jesus went over and over and over like this world's not our home. It's not right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in this world that aren't just. There's a lot of things in this world that will be hardships that will come on you. I mean, some of the uh New Testament writers like James, I consider a pure joy when I struggle. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you're like um doesn't seem consistent with a, you know, let's unlock life and let's use these formulas to make sure that we're healthy and wealthy and successful. And all this does is create kind of more of a struggle with the problem I think a lot of people are really dealing with, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And I I think it's really important for us to get this this right. Absolutely. So There's lots of churches that this sneaks into. Like, and I didn't even, 
say this before we started, but this is huge in my faith story with my family. We went to a church that was non-denominational, more charismatic in theology, and my mom has had uh, MS for years, and every week we'd go up, ask for prayer, she wouldn't be healed, we'd come back. It was it it was hard. It was, you know, like what are we doing wrong? What's wrong with our family? Why isn't why aren't we healthy? Why aren't we not struggling through this? Like this is something that I think happens in a lot of churches because people want good things for others. Mm-hmm. Like they everyone wants that to happen, but and and so it, we get in that cycle of, well, we want this to happen and God is good and he's going to make this happen for you, but yet it doesn't. And so where do you sit with that? And no one would be willing, and no one was at that church at the time, to sit with us in it and be like, there's other, there's other plans in this, yeah. or there's something else in this, and it's not you, and, and it's not that God isn't good. Like, no. It was, it's hard. It's hard, and it would, it would be interesting for me to really, like, <laughs> distill where this actually came from, like, because mm-hmm. it's so contrary to anything you read in yeah. Scripture, at least in the New Testament. Like, we it makes me think that like the word blessing might actually be the hardest word in scripture to wrap our minds around. Mm-hmm. We, we equate it to like a sky present, like <laughs> God's blessing us. So he gives us something. Cosmic Santa Claus. Yes. He's going to totally, drop like, stuff for us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But it's like <laughs> all good and perfect gifts come from above. I mean, sky present. Sky present. Sky yeah. present. Yeah. <laughs> T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I'm saying is like, you know, blessing doesn't necessarily just mean like good things. Mm-hmm. Like that can mean like you can be blessed mm-hmm. through, through hardship. You can be blessed through yeah. loss. You can be blessed through dysfunction and abuse and other things. Like, you know, one idea, not that last week's message was the message, but like one thing that we got out of that scripture is that like Jesus in promising the power of the spirit, mm-hmm. he's basically telling his followers, like you're going to have everything you need to accomplish the mission without me. Mm-hmm. And that theme shows up multiple times in scripture where God essentially says, like, I'm going to give you everything you need. You don't need to worry about it. Just do it. And so blessing in that sense isn't so much about a sky present. It's more about God promising and then following up and saying, I'm going to give you everything you need. The onus falls on us because we're the ones who have the problem. We're looking for a sky present when God might show up in a different way mm-hmm. and actually follow through on his promise, mm-hmm. just not the way we expected it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, that, and that can create damage. And not only do have we misinterpreted that, but then like we don't correct the health and wealth, you know, gospel mm-hmm. doctrine. Mm-hmm. We don't help our young people understand that, like, yeah, it's not sky present theology here. Mm-hmm. It's like you just have to understand how God works. And I think I think there needs to be more testimony about that mm-hmm. because where, where I came with it and my faith came out of it like with my mom, and not seeing God answer things the way I thought he would. And so I just, I make deals with God, that's kind of my thing. Like, I'm sure he laughs at me, and he's like, sure, whatever, Bobby, you're fine. But I'm a, I like it. And so, so you know, I just made the deal with him, like, if I'm going to follow you, I'm going to need to know why this was something that my family went through. Like, I'm going to need to know why my mom, who's a great woman, had to suffer through this in this physical way and I know after years of sitting and waiting again it's the sitting and waiting that it was my faith that came out of it 
And because of that, I got called into ministry, and I know there's more people who have faith because of that. So I know that there was good out of it, (laughs) but when you're 16, you're like, I I can't see anything through. And we as adults need to share our testimonies in that and help lead others through that, that through time God's working something good out of this. There's going to be something great. And, you know, God healed her in other ways, emotionally. She was freed from depression. She mm-hmm. could share her faith with others. People visit her at her house, and she counsels them on what they're going through. Like, she has a ministry in her herself, even though she can't walk, can't mm-hmm. do much. So, yeah. I remember years ago, I was working at church, and um, I had never done a hospital visit or any sort of pastoral care outside of like meeting with a student or maybe their parents or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so I shadowed a pastor on a hospital visit and it was a terminally ill, uh, woman. Um, and she was middle-aged. They, you know, was married, had a couple of kids, uh, and the kids were all older, like adults out of college and they were just grieving. They were so sad because their mom was dying. And, um, and I, I, I may have said like, exactly like why does good things why do good things happen to bad people or why do bad things happen to good people the wrong question yeah. to yeah. ask at well the time i said that to the pastor we never asked like the question right? i didn't say it to the family that's, i didn't say it to the family. we don't ask those questions there that's what grace is like afterwards i asked that to the pastor and he's like you know he's like well everyone dies and it kind of caught me off guard and i was like well that's harsh and he's like well even if God were to come down through the power of the spirit and heal her cancer and she came back to full health, she might live another 20, 30 years, but she's still going to die. Like we're all going to die. No one's going to live. And so he's like the, in the pastoral care moment, he's like, it's not about trying to help the family answer the question. Why it's about being present with them. It's -hmm. about helping them know that God is in control Mm -hmm. and he's got a plan. And that kind of like, it turned my, my focus from trying to answer the question why in that moment to just being there to support and love. Mm -hmm. And And I think if we're bringing the conversation back to what the church needs to be doing, man, we got to get better at embracing tension Hmm. and not having the answer that is the boilerplate, simple, Mm -hmm. all that does is crush people's faith. Yeah. When it's like, well, it should work like this, and I'm not really sure, and I guess we'll never know. Like, no, the thing the church can do, the thing that Jesus did, is we can provide presence. Mm-hmm. We can be, not sky presence, presence, <laughs> yeah. We can be with people. Be with people when they're going through difficult moments. Yeah. And, like, you know, I just, uh, you know, we were talking yesterday with um, a pastor from our church who's been in ministry for a very long time, who's a chaplain. Um, was a hospital chaplain and he's telling us a story about, um, you know, showing up to the hospital for a young girl who died in a fire and the family was there and they're processing it. And he's like, there is nothing. There is no, there are no words. There is no like reading scripture. There is no, like, there is nothing. There is nothing you can do in those moments. You cannot fix that problem. You cannot, provide comfort to that person in any other way than just being present. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all you can do in those moments. And mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was thinking about when I started visiting people in hospitals or 
uh, difficult moments. Like it is my mm-hmm. least favorite thing, by the way. If I show up to your hospital, you know you're important to me. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Everyone, write that down. I was even, I was even uncomfortable when people showed up to the hospital for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how this works. Anyways, uh, I, I feel like I had memorized all these verses. I had prepared for it. I had a class on uh, weddings, funerals, and hospital visits. You know, pastoral stuff. Yep. And it's like I was ready. Had all these scriptures. I had things thumbed. You know, like in my Bible, I had like you know. I ask this, I'm going to say this. I ask this. I literally, hmm? none of it was necessary. No. It is often just sitting with people mm-hmm. and letting them know you're there. Mm-hmm. That is the most important piece mm-hmm. of struggling, people struggling. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> uh, the, <coughs> sorry, the tension, the in-between time is sometimes the hardest place to be, but it's the place we have to show up as believers in Jesus, and I think the church has been terrible at presence. Mm-hmm. I think the church has often told people, you're here for us. You need to make sure that you come every week. You need to make sure that you give. You need to make sure that you serve. And <clears throat> you need to be here for the church. And we haven't done a great job of being there for people when they're struggling. Mm-hmm. That if that's not the lifeblood underneath everything that makes it run... <coughs> I hate my life. Sorry. <clears throat> still not breathing perfectly. I'm better than last week, but still not great. Um, presence is the thing that we aren't great at as a church. Hmm. And I would say, you know, we have this desire to fix people's problems. So when we show up in that moment of the in-between or in the tension, we try to fix things. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help. Mm-mm. We uh, love to control. So we essentially start trying to figure out the why. We start trying to put the words to it. We start trying to make it better. We start trying to help people wrap their head around why this is okay or why it is the way it is because we want to be in control and being in that tension helps, makes us feel like we aren't. And when we can't find an answer, what we essentially do, this is sort of the sinful side of religion and even us as individuals, we start to blame the people suffering. Mm -hmm. It is where it goes. I don't understand it. And Mm -hmm. Look, there is a, if you make terrible choices, there is uh, consequences for your choices. Like, there is plenty of suffering that happens in this world because people do make terrible choices and do terrible things, and they suffer those consequences. And Scripture is very clear. God doesn't um, protect us from the consequences of our choices. He often lets us uh, struggle because (coughs) we've chosen terrible things. Mm -hmm. And I think about that in my own life as a parent. There are times when I go, okay, son. You want to do that? Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I'll be here when you're it's done. Not, it's <laughs> not going to work. And I'm not going to intervene. Mm-hmm. And I need you to learn this lesson. Mm-hmm. So that's a real thing. But then I do think there are things that aren't in that realm that are the struggles we're talking about. The ones that don't make any sense, that don't add up, that aren't mm-hmm. because of our sin. You know, they're not consequences of our actions. And finding ourselves in those tense moments in that in that tension with people the relationship is the secret thing it's the thing that helps people survive those moments it helps mm-hmm. people heal from those moments it helps people begin to thrive after that it's the relationships that the presence that starts to bring all that together almost as if we were designed with that need mm-hmm. hmm. 
designed to be in relationship. <laughs> and I think sometimes this is hard for people as well. Like, yeah, we want to fix it and we want to have control, but but the the part that gets us is we're selfish, and so we don't we don't know how much that's going to require of us. Like, people might start asking a lot more, but the reality is is that we get to be in relationship with someone and so they're going to repay it back to us right they're going to support us through something that we needed and that's the blessing that we need to to be aware of and to focus on Mm -hmm. i think yeah you know you were talking to mark about presence and i thought i just had this thought of like well no duh i mean the church over the years has boiled down our own presence in people's lives to like sunday mornings and wednesday nights (laughs) so it's like Mm -hmm. no wonder people aren't super great at being present you know even in a literal way um, it also kind of got me thinking about the notion of how we equate God's action in our life, almost on like a caveman level of like, if life good, God happy, if life bad, God mad. Like, you know what I mean? Caveman theology. Yeah. I like it. And I mean, if there's one thing that we know, like whether you're a brand new Christian or you're like you know, a f- like seminary trained doctorate, like theologian. If there's one thing we know about God, like it's that we don't know everything about God. So why do we depend so much on such a simple notion of God's mm-hmm. actions? Like good equals good or like good equals happy, bad equals mad. Like that's not it. It's not it, you know? Yeah. And so if we keep like embracing that, even teaching that, we're only doing ourselves a disservice and we're further pushing the buck down the road for like the younger generations. Mm-hmm. Cause what's going to happen is like, and a lot of people, even like our generation had this experience growing up in the church. It made sense then. But then like when you grew up and you try to apply some of those things, didn't always add up. And some of those people walked away. Mm-hmm. And so it's like on a long enough timeline, the, the things that we're teaching about God, they, can't always just work for kids and then when you come an adult like backfire it's like we got to be teaching setting people up for a life of faith and not mm-hmm. just failure yeah yeah it was one of those things i know as a youth pastor this is like a core fundamental belief that the relationship is worth it no matter what whether or not i get the response out of the person that i hope for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm whether or not I'm able to control them into behaving the way that I think they should or making the decisions that I think they should, that the relationship is worth it, whether it goes in that direction or it doesn't go in that direction. There's a certain inherent value to each person and a, um, and a, I don't know, a beauty to the fact that we're in a relationship to begin with that is worth it in and of itself. And I do think the church has been very transactional with people. Mm-hmm. We've been like, hey, yeah. if you do this, then we can be in relationship with you. And to dismantle that and say, it's worth it to be in relationship with you no matter what, mm-hmm. because you have dignity as a person and you're valuable and I care about you. <clears throat> and what's interesting is that when you stop trying to control someone, they often start getting with the program <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's like very uh unintuitive or i don't, I don't know the yeah. word i'm looking for but and to me it's like the church has gotten transactional with its relationships and people feel like it's transactional mm-hmm. you know the this stuff doesn't happen on a corporate level mm-hmm. it happens between people in the church so if you have a church that's caring for each other 
it's happening not on Sunday morning and not not on Wednesday like you were saying. It's not happening because the staff or the you know the elders of a church are the ones solving all the problems or like bailing people out or like taking care of issues. It's happening because like you know a random mom is caring for another random mom or mm-hmm. a like a small group is. And I think this is one of the beautiful things about small groups. Like I'll get to a little bit more about that in a minute, but. It seems like the person who's in need, it, like, rotates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, yeah. this family needs our support right now. Yeah. They're having another baby. They're, there's some sort of crisis. There's, you know, financial problem. There's, uh, you know, s- there's some sort of health issue. And it's like the, the small group rallies to help the, the hurt member, the hurt person in the, in the small group. And then in a week or two later, it's like someone else. And we're now doing meals for the other person. Mm-hmm. And I... I like we're not in it to uh get something out of it but like it often feels like we are receiving it is actually important for us to be okay with receiving not just giving I've kind of met a lot of people that are on the other end of the spectrum where they just want to give 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 and they never want to receive but that's the beauty of relationship it Mm -hmm. it does go both ways so Mm -hmm. um and I feel like what's interesting is that because you know when we start talking about this stuff as like former youth pastors we have like a different mindset than I think the institutional church has had for like the last 30, 40, 50 years. Mm. Uh, we just see it more as a family. We see it more as, as an organic community. We see it more as like people should be caring for people. You know, we structured our youth ministries in ways that we were able to care for all our students, you know, and we almost always had them in small groups. We almost always had leaders who had, you know, five, six, seven kids they were keeping an eye on and really trying mm-hmm. to be in, in in life with so i i can see now as a pastor in, of the big church like there's some of those concepts that need to follow us into ministry as we start to build the church that moves forward in this time period and <clears throat> what i'm seeing is that it hasn't really happened really well that if you're relying on the big like the institutional church the the organization to care for everyone in the church it's not possible no it has to be broken down into small groups. Mm-hmm. It has to be broken down into places where people know each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what we as Christians can do: is to step up and help out when others need it, and not just think that oh, the church will help them, or oh, you know, Pastor yeah. Mark's going to be there. The yeah. church will you help know. them. They, we will. Yeah, we will. But we also want. No, no. But I'm saying. Oh, yes, yes. You are the church. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> if you're looking at somebody who's in need and you're going, oh, I really hope the church helps them. Like you don't Oops. understand what the church yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> and like as staff, we want to help and we want to support, but we can't keep track of 300 people mm-hmm. individually, like on a a life by life. Like what's going on this week? Like I just I just can't I just can't do that. Doesn't mean I won't try. <laughs> right, but true. like when small group leaders then come and we say, try. "Hey, so and so has got this going on," then yeah, we would love to step in. Uh, mm-hmm. But I need you to know what's going on because I can't know all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, back to our collective history as youth workers. You know, you use the example of Jesus and his disciples. I mean, over three years' time, think about all the hours spent together. Listening, conversations, experiences, yeah. just talking about presence. Like, that's what's, that's what, that's why youth ministry is so fruitful at times because of the time, the hours yeah. that you get. And that's where, uh, you know, life change happens. That's where, like, the gospel is imparted. It's not through, like, a single Bible study, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. through, like, 
the relationships and the memories and the shared experiences, the good and the bad over a long period of time, that that's what, that's what shapes the heart and soul of a, of a young person. And I also think that in similar ways, that's what shapes the heart and soul of an adult is sharing life experiences, you know, doing all of these things. You, You don't have to, it's not like academic in the sense of I'm sitting at the, you know, in the front row of the classroom with the teacher taking the best notes. It's like, no, you're just present and you're authentic and Mm -hmm. you're comfortable Mm -hmm. doing that. And we have lost that in church Mm -hmm. almost a hundred (laughs) percent. Like that's not, you know, that's not how we do church in America in the 21st century. Like it's, it's crazy. I mean, so my hope as we go through this series and we do these podcast conversations is that we can kind of rescue some of these topics like we're talking about. We can not only analyze and look at, be critical of the issues that are present, but just say like, yeah, I mean, it's jumping off the page at us. Like what Jesus did with his 12. Yeah. That's probably what we should be doing with our people too. Like, mm-hmm. so. Mm. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I was thinking about what presence looks like, you know, moving from a, you're here for us and hopefully things are going good in your life. And if not, it's probably your fault to, uh, we're here together. We exist for the world Mm -hmm. and we're going to care for each other and we're going to pursue the world. Like that is core to who we are as a church. And, you know, I I mentioned some of these stories in my first sermon, but I was just thinking of highlighting a couple things behind the scenes. Like I just wish people knew all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Like, I can't even tell these stories. Some people wouldn't even want me to tell them specifically. But um, these are things that are happening all the time. So I know of a family who had a miscarriage, and the women in that small group shared it, talked about it, dropped off a basket on her doorstep, started, uh, you know, took her kids and watched her kids for the afternoon as they were the family was processing. Like, I don't... People struggle with that in isolation way, mm-hmm. way too much. It's kind of a taboo topic sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... It's hard. It's so... It's the most isolating feeling in the world, but when you're getting, you know, response... I mean, they didn't really do anything. They just watched the kids a little bit and dropped some... Like, just the thought and the presence of these people in the lives. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm... You know, we talked about this story I've talked about a couple times because it's so crazy... You know, we had <clears throat> single mom goes to work and somebody drives up into the parking lot of their work and puts their car on blocks and steals their brand new tires, the rims and tires. Ugh. And she comes out and the car is on blocks. Like, I still can't even, I've seen the picture and I can't even, <laughs> like, what in the Who world? Yeah. And there's some pretty terrible people out there. I know. Like, jerks. Um those guys that did that were probably health and wealth doctrine people. They're like, God's this blessing is, me with four new tires. This is my wealth. I'm God grabbing it. I'm, I'm guessing more that they uh, probably got a couple of catalytic converters that morning and then went for some tires. Yeah, man. Um, but, and I think it was actually the person owned the same vehicle, so they just literally wanted the oh, new tires. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's really stupid. Um, but again, like, you know, we make a couple phone calls and there's – you know, a couple guys there changing the tires and the tire shop is, we paid the bill and it was what it was. Like, you know, she's, that mom was back on her feet and really with no effects of it that day. Mm-hmm. Like literally that day. Like yeah. we are in a place as a church where I can get a phone call like that and I, I will literally 
text our finance team and go, hey, here's a great way to spend money. Yeah. We need a couple hundred bucks for some tires. And they're like, great, take care of it. Like, that's a beautiful thing to be in a place as a church where we can do stuff like that. Were they like, uh, be sure to get the Yokohamas? Like, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> so, they just said, go for it. Um, and, and that's the, honestly, that is the kind of uh, finance team we have. Like, yeah. they are just, yeah. like, they're buttoned up and have all the yeah. things in order, but they love using money in that way. Um, that's what it's for. We had a mom who showed up to church that day. Another oh. mom. Uh, Cotter said, Hey, what's going on with you? Are you in a small group? Come to mind this week. And she was in a small group three, three or four days later. And, uh, and she came because she was processing some difficult things. And now there's a whole group of people looking out for her. Mm -hmm. Um, because we all know parenting is hard. Yeah. And we all need support. What? (laughs) I know, uh, (laughs) parenting is hard because parenting is hard. A small group who had one of their members, uh, had a cancer diagnosis. And it was immediately meal trains, babysitting, so she'd go to doctor appointments. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was shuttling kids around. It was, you know, like just activated immediately in, mm. in, in, in position to take care of them. We had a domestic abuse survivor walk into uh, our church a couple weeks ago and uh, were able to share some, you know, uh, resources with them, got them some gift cards to get stuff for the baby. Like Hmm. she had escaped a terrible situation and we had no relationship with her at all and was able to like step in and help in plenty of ways. Um, you know, I think like the way that we've as a church stepped into our relationships with our partners, the way we volunteered for the resource fair, we had 96 people at that. And their response was like, we literally you have the best volunteers in the world like i don't understand how you have so many amazing people and i was just like i mean these people understand what we're doing here yeah you know and then they were like hey we want to do this toy drive uh where we're gonna help uh lower income parents come and grab toys for their kids and wrap them up and give them to them on christmas and we were, they were like but we need like 30 volunteers we we're like that's no problem got that we're in yeah <laughs> <clears throat> um you know, uh, there was a family recently that was in the hospital for eight weeks. Um, just terrible complications. And an entire small group rallied around them while they were were suffering in that, in that place. Um, you know, uh, even as a staff we've talked about, there's a, you know, some, a person that we have at our church who's going through a really messy divorce. And we've been walking them toward healing and watching them sort of come through all that and start to move on from it. Like... This stuff happens daily, and it's these these are moments of presence. These are moments of relationship. They're not, you know, it's not the 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 church. It's not the organization that's stepping into these moments. It's people. Mm. It's the people that make up the church that are stepping into these moments. And the presence, and you know, uh, sort of being in that tension with people and stepping in and doing whatever we can, but also letting them know that they're not alone and that we're with them, is like what we're talking about. It's the most important thing. It's, and we go back to Jesus. It's what he promised. He doesn't say I'm a bouncer. Who's going to bounce every bad thing out of your life. 
I'm going to stand at the door of your life and I'm going to bounce that out. Sorry, this one can't get in. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's see your ID, cancer. You know, just picture Jesus with these large muscles, and cut <laughs> like, off like right. tank top. You weren't picturing Jesus with large muscles to begin with. <laughs> apparently, I'm that's a missing, whole other podcast. That's, uh, apparently, I'm missing misconceptions him. about Jesus. I always thought Jesus was jacked. That's just, I mean, maybe that's just me. But <laughs> I mean. How else was he gonna roll that stone away? Like, oh jeez, <laughs> oh man, I, there's so many. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay. Take I mean, notes for a podcast yes. on another day. <laughs> but I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say, if you're a, a mason, it's that people think that Jesus was a carpenter, but like actually the the word tectos or what tectonics is essentially or whatever it was. It means like he was a workman. He worked with his hands, is what it means. And bodybuilder. Most likely, he was actually working on a, a temple that was being built near his house, which is interesting. So most likely, he was a mason, not a carpenter. But um, so he was. I words. bet first century masons probably jacked. That's where I was going with yeah, that. So I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. Um, but yeah, like, um, it's something for us that we set out to base our church on relationship is like a huge deal to us Mm -hmm. and it is one of those things where i wonder about how large your church can get and still have the the soul that it started with you know like again we talked about last week i'm not against our church being huge but if um if our church is huge and there's a lot of people that aren't being cared for through some sort of a you know uh, a way an organized way then we've lost the soul of who we are. Mm-hmm. We're here to sit in it with people, mm-hmm. not necessarily solve it, but do everything we can to be with them. And this is what Jesus promised us. He didn't say I was going to take every bad thing away from your life. He didn't say there's somebody good enough out there that I'll protect them from everything. He he said I'll be with you. I mean, even in his final message to us, it's, you know, uh, Go teach people, go baptize people, go share this message with people. But and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Like you, you don't have to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. It's me going to be working through you, and I'm with you. You aren't alone. You are not isolated. You are not carrying the burden by yourself. You were designed to be in a community with people who would also carry the burden with you, and mm-hmm. you will carry their burden as they struggle too. And and you're going to be equipped to do more because the Holy Spirit's going to be here because. You know, at that point, it wasn't there yet. So Jesus has given us more, given us more equipping mm-hmm. to do more. Yes. In fact, one person in Jesus' situation could not empower all of us. Mm-mm. The Holy Spirit, who now comes in and dwells in us, can empower all of us. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus says, it's good for me to go away because I'm going to, what comes after me is more powerful mm-hmm. than even I am. You're like, wait, what? Well, the Spirit of God now lives within us, connects us to each other, and allows us to be effective for the ministry. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus knew that transition needed to happen, and people were like, no, we want you. <laughs> and still, I feel like we want, like, we would choose Jesus yeah, over the Spirit. Yeah. yeah, like we would. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that next week because that's going to be like the theme of the beginning of chapter two. There, obviously, the Holy Spirit comes and just blows everybody's mind. Um, but yeah, like. When we say we're a church that's in pursuit of Jesus and the people he loves, we're saying those two relationships are the things that drive us. Hmm. We're in pursuit of Jesus. That's our primary relationship that we're 
focused on and we're in pursuit of the people he loves that's the secondary pursuit of you know relationship in our lives and those people that he loves like it's all of us it's everybody it's not just church people it's not just church people (laughs) and it's not just people outside the church like i think you could read that and think we're in pursuit of those who aren't here Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not true. Yeah. We're in pursuit of the people he loves. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think if you take the Great Commission and you boil it down, it's love God and love people, right? Yep. But love, they're, they're not talking about the emotion. Like, that's an action word. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to go out and love people actively with whatever you're doing, love people, not just fuzzy feelings. Yeah, I like people. Yeah. But Pastor Mark, what about the people who don't like relationships and don't like people? What do we do with them? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm as as an introvert. I'm gonna answer this. Um, you have to find where it works for you, because we're all made for a relationship. But that doesn't mean I want to sit in a room full of 200 people all day. Totally, yeah. I, my soul would die. Please for an hour and a half, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want that one person, like, a good friend to hang out with me on my porch for an hour, like, and be in relationship that way. Mm-hmm. Or, like, my small group. So figure out for you what works. It doesn't mean you need to be around 100 people all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the reason I ask, you know, is tongue-in-cheek in the sense that I think there are some people out there in Christian circles when they hear the church talk about community and relationships, they think that means we're going to, like, go live in some, like, hippie commune somewhere <laughs> or something like that. And that's not the case, you know. that Those things look and are defined in, in a vast array of different ways. And it's not mm-hmm. universal. It's not... It really, what's universal is the calling to relationship, the calling to community, that, mm-hmm. to live out the, the example of Christ. And so however you do that, do it. doesn't really actually matter. What matters is if you don't do it, then that's yeah. when you get in trouble. Well, and I mean, find like-minded people. I guarantee that there are other people out there that don't want to be in a giant room full of people all week. Like, those yeah. are my people. Where are my introverts at? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... You know what feeds you. Yep. And so find somebody else like you and be like, hey, they probably would appreciate a random text on a Thursday just checking in and seeing how life is doing. Like, they maybe don't want you to call them and actually talk to them on the phone, but then there are people who would want that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. There are and a lot of ways to love people and yeah. to, to actively be supporting them. We all have different gifts. Mm-hmm. So, like, my gift of reaching out to someone is is valuable versus someone else isn't going to be able to do it the same way as that I can do. Yep. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love people like you who write cards. <laughs> Mark doesn't. That's just not his strength. Mark doesn't write cards very well. It's not his strength. But I, uh, he will praise you to your face I, all day long. Yes. <laughs> You're amazing and you do a great job. Thank you. I uh, also I also don't want to receive cards. <laughs> Note to self, mail For the second time in this podcast, (laughs) for those listening, please write that down. Send Mark cards. cards. (laughs) If you're standing there and you hand it to me, I open it up and look at it for as long as I think that you think I read it. (laughs) 
just so you know. Uh, but also, I'm not good at sending them. So I love the fact that you're incredibly encouraging, and you love sending cards, and you love encouraging people that way through written word. Generally, if I write something down, it's like to <laughs> excoriate, push, uh, challenge. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just me, you know? Um, it's the introvert in me. I don't want to call you, but I'll write you a card. <laughs> no. And let's be honest. Nobody should be calling anybody. I mean, who does that these days anyway? Yeah. If you're 40 and down and you call somebody, it's like an act of aggression. It's, it's an emergency. You just yeah. Something, inserted, something's wrong. gone terribly wrong. You okay. inserted yourself into my life and I didn't ask you to do that. It's, it's bad. Yes. Um, Shame on you. Yeah, when I get a phone call now, it's like, I'm just going to text that person. Let's yeah. go. I'm in the middle of something right now. You can't just call me. Um also, if I pick up your phone call, I love you a lot. Just so you're throwing I, it, it's only been within like the last maybe five or ten years of my life where I was the exact opposite of that. I'd be like, you know, Jess and I would be somewhere and be like, hey, we just drove by so-and-so's house. We should just go over there pop in. Oh. And she'd be like, you can't pop in. No. Like, you can't do that. No. I'd be like, no, but we're here. Like, we totally should. And now I'm realizing that, like, yeah, maybe she has a point. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I thought you were kind of Minnesotan. I thought you. <laughs> I was born in Germany. <laughs> cool, um, calm. I want to. I want to finish just by mentioning. Uh, I was reading this article about um, sort of younger Christians and some of the things that drive them crazy about the church and some of the things that have hurt them. And you know, there was uh, quite a few things I agreed with, and one that I didn't. I'll probably actually bring that up in the next podcast and maybe even share the article, which I think is interesting, but. One of the things I think is most important to young people is, and I don't care if these are buzzwords or they mean, I don't know, I don't know. I think a lot of people throw these words around, but I'll try to define them. I think they want authentic community and they want organic community. Mm. Um, I think that's what they're after. Mm. What they don't want is institutional community. In fact, they are fleeing from institutions more than any other generation before them. They don't have any trust at all with organizations. They know, they're smart enough to know that everybody who messages messages them wants something from them. Mm. They're smart enough to know that I don't actually have a relationship with this company who's throwing this commercial at me while I'm watching TV, which they don't even watch TV anymore, so that's even funny. But <laughs> they want something from me. They are trying to get me to buy their thing or be on their team or do their thing. It's politicians they don't trust because, again, they're trying to use me, right? It's, And I think we need to stop and realize that the, the church exists in that realm where I do think if they catch a whiff of, um, of relationship for the sake of whatever or relationship to control a person, they are out. Yeah. What they want is authentic relationship with real people that they respect, that they care about, um, people who actually care and want the best for them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's heavy for us because as like um, staff members, they're testing us all the time to see if like we mm-hmm. actually really care and if we're in this relationship, even if it doesn't go in the direction that we want it to go in. Yeah. Like there's a purity test there where it's like, do I trust you? Are you worthy of trust uh, or are you trying to get something out of me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, they're looking for authentic. They're looking for. No, it wasn't. JK, LOL. <laughs> Sorry, we had a mute mishap. It was my fault. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> 
I looked at it and went, why'd you mute me? Nope. All right. <laughs> um, authentic, organic. Mm. And I'm going to, I'm going to do pastor's corner here. Uh, so I'm going to add a, a feature to the end of, uh, to the end of the podcast. Um, welcome to pastor's corner. I, I, I feel responsible to have this conversation with people and I know there's only five of you listening and you're probably not our, probably not who I'm going to address right now. So that, that works out fine. I'll probably come up with another way to address this with other people, but, um, we need you to understand that your presence is also very important. Like the church, the church needs to be there for people and our presence is what we're going for. We're not trying to control people. We're not trying to, um, you know, turn this into a a transactional relationship. But I think we need to remember that if the church is going to be present for people, it means we, we, all of us, the people of this church need to be there. And it starts with being there. You see where I'm going with this, guys? Follow me on this. So it sounds like you want us to be there. I think he said be there. Yeah. So let me let me uh, let me help. Be there. Explain. Uh, I am not mildly amused. Might be the right word for it. Uh, It could be stronger than that. I think at times. We you know when we couldn't meet last year in a pandemic. It was like ripping my heart out of my chest. Mm. I'm sure you guys felt the same way. The disconnection was real. People were, it was tough. And we didn't meet for a couple months because we felt like it was the right thing to do for our church. And it stunk. And it was terrible. And I don't want people to rely on screens. I talked about it last week. I think it makes us lazy. It makes us consumers. And uh, we had people that would, just losing their mind when we couldn't meet. And I agreed completely. And I wish that I could have changed that. And I don't know if we made every right decision. We tried. Um, so maybe you were right. But now <laughs> we have this uh, interesting uh, hypocrisy that's sort of come up where now that church is meeting every week and now that we are able to be here every single week with each other, we... Um, <sighs> Are we apathetic about it? Like, Hmm. um, and I'm not saying this because I need numbers every weekend in the seats. I'm saying this because when, for instance, this week, 65 people just decided not to come to church. Um, it was like 40% of our congregation just decided, eh, not today. I'm not going to do it. Look, I know people were sick. People are away. Like there's probably Mm -hmm. tons of really good reasons for that to happen. And, I'm not singling anybody out. I'm not, you know, judging you because your Facebook post where you were at the state fair or at the Renaissance festival or at brunch or, uh, deciding to, uh, you know, be sitting on your couch waiting for the game to start, even though you would have been home with half an hour to spare. Um, I'm not calling anyone out specifically. That was like, those are all real things. And I am calling those people out, but I'm not, but I'm really not. I just need you to know, like your presence in those Sunday and Wednesday timeframes is the beginning of the presence that we have for each other. Mm-hmm. That's where it begins. That is where it starts. And like, I think if we want to be an authentic church, one that has organic community, like, and we're going to come once a month and we're not going to take seriously our role in the church and understand that our presence is important. 
man, we are missing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is not me trying to control anyone, and that is not me saying I need more people there because I need the numbers to look good. That is me saying you miss an opportunity to show up for somebody every single time you don't mm-hmm. show up. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like, if we're going to be organic and authentic in our relationships, we got to show up. Mm-hmm. We have to be present. Um, it starts there. It moves into small groups. If you're not in a small group, how can you be actively in relationship with other people and and be giving your presence away to other people? How can they be showing up for you? Mm-hmm. I mean, our system of care for this church is in is through our small groups. Yep. So I, you know, often there'll be times when people will come and need help, and we'll definitely step in and help them. And I'll be like, "You got to get in a small group because mm-hmm. there needs to be a group of people who are paying attention and mm-hmm. are with yep. you and are in this with you." And I get it. Last year has been really tough. But now I think people are like not getting back to it in a way that is going to push this church in the right direction towards health where we are showing up for each other. And this is an authentic place where people care about each other. And we are doing all this stuff to make sure that people know that they're cared for. And we are sitting in the tension with them. And we're not giving them boilerplate answers or solving all their issues. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just, it's a burden for me for people to see that their value is super important. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people always look at it that way. They think like they're making me happy by showing up on a Sunday. And yeah. it's like, you know, like that's not what I'm saying here there, or they're adding to the number of people who are there, or there are people who will just serve. And when they serve, they'll show up and then they won't mm-hmm. be there for the rest of the time. It's like, no, that's uh that's not a healthy situation and that's not what we're called to do as, as the church. And I think, you know, it deep down, I think mm-hmm. you feel yeah. like you missed something or you feel like, uh, you know, that was a missed opportunity and it was, mm-hmm. and you did, you know? And so this is just pastor's corner. I'm just giving you a piece of advice. Like get your butt to church. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> like you're not doing it for me. You know, you're doing it for the rest of the body of Christ. You're doing it for all the people that you're going to have relationships with over over time and it's like those things are built by presence and by consistency mm-hmm. and by building trust and we need you there it's not enough to just like something on facebook like <laughs> that's what we get to sometimes i'm yeah. a part of it i liked it mm-hmm. no nope. yeah and i mean <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> uh we've used this word tension multiple times in this podcast and i think it's important to just even name it like yeah, this is attention it's attention for us as mm-hmm. like the paid staff who are called to these positions to help and shepherd in different ways for our people so you know when we see or sense something it creates tension for us and we don't want that to feel like a you know we're just blasting you <laughs> you know because you're totally right mark i think everyone that like to use that example that wasn't here that Sunday probably had a reason. Maybe there's a handful of people that slept in or just were lazy that morning or something, but everyone's got a reason, you know? So I think that one thing for all of us to remind ourselves is that like, we're not a perfect church and we may not, well, we won't ever be a perfect church, (laughs) but that doesn't mean we can't try, you know, it doesn't mean we can't move one or two steps closer to the ideal that Christ set before us. This works out so good when you're a good cop and I'm bad cop. Good, good pastor, bad pastor. I'm just trying to move us from lament to hope. Challenging pastor. So um, I naturally do this. I don't even see it like I'm 
I'm not saying like, oh boy, I gotta like put the fire out. The marches started. Like that's not how I see it. No. I'm more just like, yeah, that's just who he is. I'm a fire starter. That's fine. I don't care. I'll I'll lean into that. On the uh, on the test of a, a pest, apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, uh, st teacher. I forget what the other one is. S. Uh, I always score profit. <laughs> so that means I'm either uh, yeah, I'm probably service annoying you or you're amening usually. Uh, so that's okay. That's why we love you. And I just you know I want to finish off again. Thanks for reminding me that we're supposed to be hopeful here today. Uh, we are designed to work like this. This is somewhat natural, and caring for people isn't i don't think very hard for a lot of us like we're called into making this a priority and when we do and when we see people struggling we are naturally designed to fill those needs when you know uh new testament writers talk about like hey we're here to carry the load for each other we're there are moments when you've got the heavy backpack on and we come alongside and carry that load and there are moments when you uh you're the ones helping. Uh, we're designed to do that for each other. And that's what New Testament, you know, new, uh, I should say, new covenant Christianity looks like. It's us doing this together so that we can affect the world. And I believe the church can be effective. I believe we have everything we need to be effective, that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives, that we understand what our mission is, we know what our what our calling is, what we're supposed to do. And <clears throat> I have not given up on the church fulfilling that calling. Um, I don't think it's happening regularly everywhere. But we are focused on trying to make this a priority here, and we know this is how we're supposed to build. Not necessarily the biggest, craziest thing in the world, but the most healthy thing that we can come up with. Hmm. Um, and I think people realize in those moments that this is not a church that's into tra- transactional relationship. And... This is not a church that's going to solve all my problems, but they will be there. They will show up and be present in the most moments when I need them. So, yeah. yeah. I love that word, natural. It is natural to be this way. Yeah, totally. almost as if we were, like, designed. Almost as if there's this, like, cosmic presence out there. A natural order. Yeah. Who made us and gave us this. And yet, somehow, it feels so unnatural to be this way. It's like we've grown into this. Yeah. We're like the crab that found a new shell and we just kind of grew into that space and now you can't get us out of it <laughs> that's one analogy of many that you will get <laughs> thank you for that analogy what are we supposed to do go back to an old shell like i lose your shell go shellless that's dangerous it yeah. is dangerous um yeah okay so any other final words miss uh miss bobby or megan or mr aaron before i close things up I think there's a lot to be encouraged about. This is not just the hopeless positivity that I always bring, but I think um, in the midst of highlighting all of these issues and the problems that we're all sensing those gut feelings, I think it feels good to like really examine, uh, you know, the same way like if you're trying to lose weight, it feels good when you start losing those first couple pounds. Like, it feels good to figure some of these things out. So I'm hopeful. What are you saying? Did you bring that up on purpose? I was purposely staring at the wall so as to not make oh, eye contact mm-hmm. with anyone so mm-hmm. no one would think that. I felt judged. <laughs> I'm hopeful. I think I think pursuit and 
the family of pursuit, I think they do it well. And but as always, we can do things a step closer or a step mm-hmm. better. So I that's why I love pursuit. I'm excited for next week. Let's keep going. Ooh. <laughs> as always, if you have questions or you want us to deal with a specific issue, you can email someone office <laughs> office at pursuit community dot church or you can text me or aaron or bobby or megan and if you don't you can't text one of your pastors or you don't know their email address you're at the wrong church it's m-a-r-k <laughs> at pursuit community dot church dot church yeah um yep there was something else in there it's now out the back of my head so well i guess we'll just leave oh uh last week we said if you made it this far you get two gold stars Megan, what are we? Uh, what are we sending somebody? I guess if you text us and let us know you got to this point, we'll send you an emoji that describes who you are. Yeah, yeah. Text one of us, and we'll pick an emoji that best describes you. Yeah, and we'll send it back to you. <laughs> Sounds good, right? But if I get a text from a number that I don't know and it just has an emoji, I'm not. <laughs> no, no. Let you us know you got to this say. part. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. 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 We'll choose. I listened to the whole podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we'll choose you an emoji. Totally. Yeah. So that'll be fun. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for joining us this week, guys. And we'll be back next week. Did you want to pray? Oh. (laughs) Aaron, you want to close us in prayer? I feel like we ought to. On a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. We did it last week. We did? We're Jesus people. We're past. I'm not saying we're not. I just didn't know. Like I (laughs) did did last week. You're right. Yeah, let's do it. I don't. All right. Sorry for the awkward close. We'll edit out the awkward part. No, we won't. <laughs> okay. God, uh, we just thank you for the opportunity and the space to have this conversation. And um, above the conversation, above the themes and the topics and all of this stuff, God, we just ask for your presence in our lives. That we can live out our faith and our relationship with you in real meaningful ways that fall in line and are in accordance with your will, God. And we also ask that in order to do that, you give us the power of your spirit and that we can fall in step with your promptings and your guidance, that we can live in relationships with others and that we can be present in this world the way that you have called us to be. And we ask that all of those things glorify you, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you guys.